Hello, my name is Thomas. Welcome to British Culture. Albion never dies. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined in this episode by Kyle Barbeau. You may know him through his Instagram account, Easy Smiles and Expensive Watches, which if you know your bond, you'll know comes from a line from Casino Royale. So we talk about his love of this film, the Bond franchise, and beyond. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode. I certainly very much enjoyed having him on. Okay, okay, Kyle. Kyle Barbeau, Mr. Yes, Easy sir. Smiles and Expensive Watches. Welcome. It's nice to see you. <laughs> and good to see you. It was lovely. We met a little while ago, right, at the uh, the O2 concert in London. That's correct. It, we had a very, uh, very fun weekend in each other's company. That was Absolutely. that was nice. It was nice to finally, you know, get beyond the uh, the computer screen. Absolutely. So we'd been messaging back and forth for some time. You had been giving some great suggestions. The alphabet of Britishness. Um, Thank you. So it's that's been pleasure. fun. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you now on. For those who are unfamiliar with your work on Instagram, would you like to give a quick thumbnail sketch of who you are? Sure. Um, I'm I'm just your average everyday run-of-the-mill friendly neighborhood james bond fan um my instagram account easy smiles and expensive watches takes its name from a line in casino royale which i believe we're going to talk about in a little bit and it's just my own personal james bond journey uh things that capture my interest and and are bond adjacent there's uh there's a watch element to it there's a style element to it uh every once in a while i'll i'll extend my two cents about a a film or a book review. Um, I, I'm really just there to have fun and make friends. It's lovely. It's a lovely account to follow. Thank and you. Uh, obviously you do gravitate towards Casino Royale. I do like Casino Royale very much. Uh, it's easily my favorite Daniel Craig film. Okay. Okay. And was that the first film that really got you into Bond? Uh, not the first one that got me into Bond. It's It's the one that I really got into Bond as an adult. Adult. Um, when it came out, I was around 18 or 19 years old, so I had my own car, and I could go and, and see it as many times as I wanted to. Um, you know, I wasn't reliant on, on somebody to take uh. me to see this movie, so I, I was able to see it a bunch of times. And that's right also around the same time that James Bond Lifestyle and David Zeritsky and people like that were starting to get a little bit more active online, so there was more to see. Um, centered around Casino Royale. There was a lot more uh, internet presence around that, that film. Yeah, the, the growth of fandom on the internet is really, really interesting. And was this something shared by people around you? Were you like the one Bond fan in the group, or did you have a bunch of friends who were into it? I was the biggest Bond fan in the group. I mean, I, most of the people that I went to uh, to school with all came to see Casino Royale and we watched it multiple times, and when the DVD came out, we watched it a lot in our apartments. But nobody was as passionate about it as me. Okay. I, people came; there, people were more than willing to come along for the ride. But um, you know, no, nobody took it to the to the level. <laughs> that I had. That's interesting. So, what about the film really struck you? Um, th- what's unique about this one, more than any other that I've ever seen. It's the only time that someone of our generation was able to read the book first, the original Fleming novel first, before seeing the film on which it's based. So I really went in hoping, I, I, I hope they, they do this this novel justice. And I'd, I'd read it a few times at that point, so I knew the story. 
And I was very curious about how they were going to adapt it for 2005, 2006, a post 9-11 world as opposed to the Cold War. And they did. They, they, they kept it true to the Fleming original. Act two of the film is pretty much verbatim the novel. Um, but they also modernized it for the post 9-11 uh, war on terror. So it's a perfect synthesis, synthesis of modern Bond storytelling and any Fleming novel. Mm. And I'm interested that you'd already read the Fleming novels by this point. Yes, yes. And like I said, this was this was really the only time, and it, and it will never happen again, that I was able to see a film, a James Bond film, based on an Ian Fleming novel after already having read the novel. That, yeah. that will never happen again. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I'm just thinking back. So I think I'd seen the older films by that point, but I hadn't read the books when it first came out. I know it didn't make quite the same impact for me. It made for a whole generation of fans. Mm. And perhaps this is the reason why. Mm. That could be. I I think that just my, my love of Fleming probably mm. is why I like this film so much. Oh, definitely. If I wasn't into Fleming, I probably wouldn't have got into the films so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, for me, it went the other way around. I think I'd seen Casino Royale and it was a decent enough film, but then I saw in a bookshop, uh, a secondhand bookshop, someone was selling uh, a cheap copy of Casino Royale. And I thought, well, there was the big film and everyone was talking about how Fleming it was. So I thought I'd read the book and check for myself. And actually, that's what really triggered me to uh, to be a bit more of a Bond fan than I was. That's very interesting. I like yeah. that. And then you've recently seen it on the big screen, right? I have. Um, I was able to see it. It was uh, the day after Thanksgiving. What we colloquially—what's that word? Colloquially refer to as Black Friday, mm-hmm. um, the the shopping day after American Thanksgiving. Uh, I flew up to Toronto and was able to catch it um, at this concert hall. Oh, performed. Canadian Thanksgiving is on a different day, so it wasn't for their Thanksgiving. It was not Canadian Thanksgiving. Oh, right, yeah. It was U.S. Thanksgiving. Um, so Canadian Thanksgiving, I believe, is in October. Ours in, is in November. Uh, but I flew up to Canada, and the um, the film was presented in a concert hall on on a big screen, a big movie screen, but with a live orchestra playing the score of the film to a live audience, which was wow. a spectacular way to experience it. And I've seen this film in a lot of different ways, a lot of different times, and and this was a really fun way to watch it. Oh, that's incredible. Was there any special reason why they were showing it in Toronto? I'm not quite sure why. They've done this before. Uh, Just right before the COVID lockdown, I was up there to see Skyfall in concert uh, February of 2020, right right before the world went crazy. So I'm, I'm not sure why. I think that this particular conductor just likes James Bond film scores. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And that, that that sounds like quite the experience, and I imagine it was a bit of a magnet for the Bond community, without a doubt. And I think if it had been on a different weekend, um, when Americans were not involved in you know familial obligations, I think it would have been an even bigger one. Oh wow! Okay, so it was almost negatively affected by U.S. Thanksgiving. <laughs> yes, because I think you know people wanted to spend the holidays with their families. Go figure. <laughs> oh yes, yes, funny that. Um, well, they may have felt obliged rather than wanted to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's probably more accurate. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I mean, you've been to a Bond meetup recently with me. You've been to one yes. in Canada. You, you seem to have been to a few of these these Bond events. 
I I try to make as many of them as I can. Like I said, the the reason I do what I do um, with social media and and taking my my hobby and and my passion for these films and and novels so public is to make friends and attend events and meet people and have a good time. Yeah, and the Bond community, you know, to use the loose term, it seems a very nice place. It's very it is. unusual. <laughs> Especially in the film fan world, there are other film franchises. I know you and I both are are Star Wars people. Uh, that fan community is not as gentle and as accepting yeah. and as open minded as ours is. Exactly. Once upon a time, the Star Wars community seemed a nice place. I don't know. I didn't particularly connect with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems to have taken a turn. Whereas the James Bond community, considering you know we're fans of a man who kills for a living, gambles, smokes heavily in the books, doesn't necessarily have the uh, the most role model life. Yet it seems to. But I, I would counter that people. a little bit. I, I would counter that a little bit because he's also a very patriotic man. He's he's a very duty bound man. He's motivated um, by his career. He takes his job very seriously. He sets very high standards of himself, um, both physically and professionally. So I think that those are things worth emulating you, you have to cherry pick a little bit absolutely <laughs> leave behind the alcoholism <laughs> pick up a little bit of patriotism <laughs> someone did message me after no time to die and ask is james bond alcoholic or is he just british <laughs> <laughs> the venn diagram is <laughs> there's a lot of overlap <laughs> <laughs> the venn diagram is a perfect circle it's it. <laughs> but, as you say we pick the nice points from him he's he's not a perfect mm. he's not obi-wan kenobi you know he's he, he has to right. cherry pick and i think that's part of the reason that i'm drawn to this character is because he's a human being mm. he, he's not imbued with any sort of superpowers you know he wasn't bit by a radioactive spider he's not from krypton he's from kent so <laughs> i mean you can relate to somebody like that yes he is very much a human and i'd say almost especially the the fleming novels have him as more of a human being and perhaps especially some of the older films funny enough yes i would agree and he does change generationally as well like every generation now seems to have their their bonds oh without a doubt um and i think for for people of our generation we kind of lean towards pierce brosnan oh, yeah yeah and, and i have to say that was my main takeaway when i saw casino Royale. i just thought oh it's, it, there's no bronze uh brosnan hmm. sorry um, <laughs> Yeah, I to a certain extent, I still have that when I watch it. I just think, "Ooh, how would this have been different with Pierce Brosnan in that role uh, if he could just do one more?" I think it would have worked. They would have had to frame the story a little bit differently. And instead of being, you know, Bond begins, it mm. would have been sort of James Bond's last uh, yeah. great mission of his career. I think they would have just told a different story. But in two thousand and five, Batman Begins was the smash hit action film. So I think that the Bond franchise being doing what it does and, and following a lot of those trends wanted to uh, capitalize on that momentum. Yeah. I think following from the never say never again thing of, Oh, but he's getting too old and that kind of thing might not have been right. Quite so in the forefront of their minds. I, I, I would have enjoyed it. Another Brosnan film is certainly uh, on my wish list. If I ever find the genie. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Of course, in these days of deep fake, maybe one day we will. Could happen. That's true. 
Yeah, they brought Michael Keaton back, so they, they could they could do it with Pierce Brosnan. Yes, I'm very interested that when you first saw it in the cinema, you just had your first car, and this this film probably has the most affordable James Bond car. Is it the Ford yes. Focus? Yes, yes, um, <laughs> which is not not too dissimilar from uh, the cars that my friends were driving in those days. You know, we were young, buying secondhand. Um, inexpensive vehicles from from family members or or yeah. you know from friends and things so that that was a little bit more relatable than, uh, <laughs> than the aston martin that he drives later in the movie i've seen that scene and it is a very impactful scene right he arrives on the private jet he gets his heart kind of a little full focus <laughs> he's zooming on this high technology of what google maps yes um, <laughs> i just thought that all the young lads will be out <laughs> on that now <laughs> If if you take out the private plane, um, that's something that I w- would do all the time. <laughs> they yeah. land, rent a really inexpensive car, and uh, follow the Google Maps to the hotel. I mean, that's that's just an experience everybody has. Absolutely, it's brilliant. I'm wondering. So you've seen Casino Royale on the big screen. Have you seen any other, uh, maybe some of the classic Bond films on the big screen? I have um, a few times, actually. Right after Roger Moore died, I was able to see a double feature of The Spy Who Loved Me and For Your Eyes Only, and that was a a good double bill. Um, Just this past weekend, I saw a friend of mine actually put on From Russia With Love and Octopussy for their respective anniversaries, 60th uh, anniversary and 40th anniversary for those films. And after Sean Connery died... Um, I saw I was able to see Goldfinger on the big screen, and Doctor No is one I've seen probably four or five times now because every oh, wow. major anniversary of Bond, um, that seems to be one that they that they screen ho- over here in the U.S. I've probably seen Doctor No on the big screen three or four times now. Oh, that's interesting. And how do you find it's different seeing them on the big screen compared to you know how we usually watch it, Blu-ray, DVD? I've noticed that I've picked up on small details that I don't see when I'm watching it on a regular television at home. Mm-hmm. Little little side characters and extras, um, maybe signs off in the distance, uh, facial expressions that I never picked up on before. I had never seen there's a there's a, a young child in the airport in the beginning of From Russia with Love. I had never noticed before. Uh-huh. Uh, the, just little things like that that I was able to to pick up on by seeing it on a much much larger scale than just you know my television at home. Oh, fair enough. I saw uh, last year the Spy Who Loved Me on a big screen, and that did change it for me because you know it's one of the first films that really does just throw away Fleming because they had nothing left. Correct. And it really is designed as a cinematic spectacular. Mm-hmm. I think that that is the quintessential. James Bond movie. If you look up James Bond movie in the dictionary, um, Spy Who Loved Me is is a prime example of what what the whole thing's all about. That's the formula movie. I remember being confused as a child because I think they're all broadcast on TV and they broadcast that one fairly close to You Only Live Twice and they seemed mm. kind of slightly uncanny to me in terms of the similarity. <laughs> Go figure. Fancy that. <laughs> I mean, I know Lewis Gilbert made the same film three times. <laughs> did. He did. I must admit, The Spy Who Loved Me is my preferred. Yes, I, I agree. I think that's the best of his of his trilogy. And then I saw, uh, yeah, From Russia with Love in the cinema. The nice thing for me 
uh, was watching it with a group of fellow fans. Right? Normally, I just watch it by myself. That's what makes some of these, um, I'll, I'll call them re-screenings or re-releases, so special. Mm. Because when you watch them with the group that's there specifically to see that film, they're they're engaged in that movie. They want to be there. So the reaction, the crowd energy makes the experience all that more special. It enhances it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. So I watched it with a group of people here in Yorkshire. And for me, what I pick up on is the Turkish language, right? The way it's spoken throughout the film. So obviously the Turkish characters have perfect Turkish in the film. Um, Sean Connery, you know, he's just arrived. Of course, he makes mistakes. So he's just trying to copy somebody else and he copies it wrong, which for me is believable. Uh, The uh, Daniela Bianchi character just gets a few little details wrong. She's able to communicate Mm. a bit more than Connery, but she does get uh, little slips in. That's interesting really real yes because that's that is how a foreign character would behave in such a situation absolutely so she's supposed to be what russian she translates from english she's in turkey so she's got she's got a lot going on so she's capable Mm -hmm. but not perfect which i quite like and that gets back to the humanity of these characters absolutely absolutely if you could put on a film showing of any of these which one would you put on oh that is a very good question i the one that i would like to see i think Uh, most of all is on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I find that to be such a lush, beautifully shot, vibrant, colorful film. And I I haven't seen that on the big screen yet. And I think that that one would look really, really good. I think You Only Live Twice is another one that would look really, really good on a big screen because that's such a large, super high, big scale picture. Um, You know, the, the world's largest film set at the time Um, some of those landscape shots that that gilbert gives us of japan i think would look amazing on a big screen so there's my double lineup of the villains in uh, you only live twice because you have burt kwok you know Mm -hmm. you 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 were just working for goldfinger do you just (laughs) go around working for all of them (laughs) he's just a henchman for hire yeah yeah he's on he's on the uh you know 1-800 uh specter hr (laughs) payroll but it is a it is a spectacular it is a spectacular oh it's wonderful and when we're talking about the uniqueness of the bond franchise um when i lived in turkish cyprus they showed classic tv including the 1960s mission impossible uh movies and things like that are there any other franchises that your love of bond would kind of translate into um other other spy franchises or yeah. or just film franchises How- in general However it moves for you. I, Bond, I think people who are attracted to the Bond films like a lot of the same other films. Mm. Um, we all generally really like the Indiana Jones films. We all generally like the Mission Impossible films. Um, some like Star Trek, some like Star Wars. The Christopher Reeve Superman films are very popular among Bond fans. So it's kind of like if you like this one particular storytelling method you may also like this yeah yeah i mean for example for me i'm a huge star wars fan and mm-hmm. that most naturally overlaps with lord of the rings i can almost guarantee you know, i can nine see out that of ten star wars fans would go for lord of the rings the overlap between that. star wars and star trek not that much it just is right i wouldn't say there's a huge rivalry of anyone i know it's just disinterest um, mm. they're, they're just very different ways uh of telling stories Yeah, I think Star Trek tends to have a very optimistic view of the future, that we're going to get better and better and better. 
Whereas Styles is like, yeah, nothing's going to change. Everything is bleak. And <laughs> the word war is in the title right there. <laughs> yeah. I remember Lucas was asked about Styles episode one, about the uh, the Chancellor being mired in allegations of corruption and so on. And he was asked if it was supposed to be Bill Clinton. He was like, I, I conceived this in the 70s. And it was kind of based on ancient Rome. So if you're finding it relatable, it just tells you people haven't changed much. <laughs> History is cyclical. That's one thing we learn. So what would be your second franchise or your third franchise? My second franchise would be Indiana Jones. Um, I've been a a huge fan since very early childhood. In fact, those films were uh, what I saw before James Bond. There just isn't as much to that world as there is to Bond. Uh, There's just not not as much content, not as many films. But that's how I found out who Sean Connery was and that there was this other thing this adjacent thing that that he starred in and it was a, a similar type of adventure and um that sort of led into becoming aware of who James Bond was 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 through Indiana Jones that's interesting and if if i was to think of indiana jones when i do um which i enjoy i tend to think of it as a very very american franchise yes, yes. um and it was only when I was talking to a huge super fan, Matt Wacker, um, who mm-hmm. came on the podcast a while ago, he said, no, 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 it's very British inspired because it was uh, Spielberg's version of Bond. I genuinely never thought of this. It's true. I, I, I think that there is certainly some Bond DNA. There's, there's more than a little Bond DNA in um, Indiana Jones. And I do think it's Spielberg saying, well, I can, I can do this too. I can create my own world. So there may be some interruption because there is a heavy storm raging around. Me. <laughs> Hopefully what you Stay say safe. is being recorded. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I've battened down the hatches. Good. 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 Do you have a shovel handy? <laughs> uh, I'm just not going out in the morning if it's that bad. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. So yeah, you were saying that was Spielberg saying, I can do this too. Yes. Yes. I can do this with my own character and, and um, give a little bit of uh, his own personal style yeah and it's interesting i know that harrison ford was very against in the temple of doom where you see him in the ivory tuxedo and said hang on he's already got a double life of adventurer and college professor and now you're giving him this third life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of a uh almost a rick blaine type of character in that, in that scene but it's it's clear that it it's inspired by the goldfinger tuxedo yeah yeah and in the club there's, Obi-Wan. there's no two ways that's right in the club obi-wan <laughs> there's there's a lot of shared dna between those two franchises i mean a lot of the the same performers are in both bond and indiana jones they were a lot of indiana jones was filmed in england by the same crew a lot of the same stunt performers vic armstrong um being a major player in in both franchises so they there's some some crossover it makes sense why fans of one would be fans of the other oh yes absolutely and i'm curious are you are you unique in your family if you don't mind me asking being interested in bond and and these franchises or is this a shared love uh nobody takes it as seriously as i do okay i think my my family tolerates it because they know i like these things and they're and they're supportive and they'll watch james bond movies with me but nobody else in my family would put on a tuxedo and fly to toronto the day after thanksgiving to watch a movie that they've seen you know countless times 
I hope they were forgiving that you did. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we had our dinner together and then I was oh, gone. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, it is interesting how these things can be uh, can be shared. So many people talk about their love of Bond and often it's, you know, the number of times I've heard, I watched this with my father. Mm-hmm. That's how I started to see most of the older films. There's a or was I'm, I'm not sure if it still exists because who has cable these days but it was a cable station in the 90s right around this time of year 15 days of 007 oh. and that's how i saw a lot of the, the classic sean connery roger moore and timothy dalton movies um it was usually between thanksgiving and christmas in, in those those weeks and um that's really when i got hooked and that was also just as the promotion kicked in for Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm. And when Tomorrow Never Dies came out and my grandfather took me to see it, that was it. As soon as I saw that film hooked, this, this is my my thing now. This is the, the man that, that I want to emulate, the good parts. Um, and I haven't looked back since. I do, I do like that film. There's a reason my Instagram is Fleming Never Dies. Um, <laughs> it is mm-hmm. fantastic. I think that's another one I've never seen on the big screen. Uh, I remember when it came out. That, it was, a huge that was my thing. first. Oh, wow. I think uh, The World Is Not Enough was the first one I saw. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies, the TV premiere was huge, and I enjoyed it so much. I was then taken to see the next one. So. Excellent. Yeah, that, those, um, those 90s Brosnan films were good ones to hook young fans you know people of our generation the 90s was really the second golden age of james bond mm. i have a, a teenage relative and i and i do wonder gosh what recent thing kind of what thing made in his lifetime would bring him into bond and i'm left a bit mm. blank at that to be honest it's true i i think maybe a new video game would be very very, very helpful absolutely agree now we're just heading in towards christmas as the storm rages around me and uh and i'm wondering by coming up to christmas what what bond movie will you be binging on <laughs> this oh, christmas? good question I, I i've been in the mood for the last week or so maybe two weeks for for your eyes only i think maybe because the weather's turning cold and there's so many wonderful winter scenes in that film in cortina mm. I th- I think uh, that might be the one I watched this Christmas. I, I watched it just this weekend, mm-hmm. and um, I got the Blu-ray, which I imagined wouldn't be much different from the DVD, and I was wrong. Mm. It's been tremendously cleaned up, perhaps more than any of the other films that I've seen. I feel I've seen some fairly degraded copies, but to see it in Blu-ray, it really felt fresh. I, I would agree. I think that that film gets the balance right between serious and comical absolutely absolutely and it's got my favorite line in all of bond you put your clothes on and i'll buy you an ice cream (laughs) (laughs) nobody did it better (laughs) nobody did it better absolutely right kyle thank you so much for giving me some of your time and for hopping on the podcast Thomas, it's always a pleasure. I'm sorry for the uh, sorry for the storm headed your way. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it didn't um, it didn't mess with your audio too much. It's all right. Great, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you want to find Kyle, do check him out on Instagram at Easy Smiles and Expensive Watches. Thank you, and I hope. 
you have a wonderful week. <laughs>